Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This is the GM Shuffle. I think we should call the 2019 draft the I want to be traded draft. <laughs> like, it, it, you know, and it's led by its leader in, in Kyler Murray. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. Michael, we are one week away from the 2022 NFL Draft here in Las Vegas. And you'll be out here, Michael. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I've not been at, uh, at the, the draft sites since uh, it moved from New York. And we used to do it in the, uh, uh, the in the I think it was, what, uh, the NBC, like, what's that hall? The, NBC the Radio has, City Music Hall, I Radio believe. City, yeah. yeah, we were there. The fans were there. It was kind of neat. And, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. But this will be even better, knowing that you can add the Vegas flair to it. Plus, I think there's going to be some activity, Fem. I, I think there's going to be a lot of things happening in terms of, of decision-making as we go into this second phase of the offseason. Yeah, it's really going to be intriguing if there's trades and people willing to trade down, maybe trading up to quarterbacks. We'll get into all that discussion all throughout this week here as we approach the draft. But as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And to tweet at us, tweet at Michael at M Lombardi NFL. You can tweet at me at Femi Abebefe, our producer Stephen Bond on the ones and twos as always here. And Michael, we got some big news Wednesday yeah. in the NFL. Debo Samuel, the do-everything wide receiver, for the San Francisco 49ers has officially requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. Um, this sounds like it could be money. It could be other things. But <laughs> how did we end up here, in your opinion, between Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers? I think we should call the 2019 draft the I want to be traded draft. Like, it, it, you know, and it's led by its leader in, in Kyler Murray, which we'll get to him in a minute. And then it morphins into some of these other players who haven't really uh, been able to get the contracts that they think they deserve, certainly. And now we're hearing a lot of complaining going on. But I, I think the Samuel thing is a lot of it is tied to Garoppolo. Look, I, I don't deny that the 49ers want to redo Samuel's deal. I think they have to. I mean, you know, going through this new book, uh, he's like Lenny Moore, who's in the Hall of Fame. Lenny Moore, Femi, played running back and wide receiver for the Baltimore Colts, and mm -hmm. he didn't do it. He lined up at receiver. He lined up at running back. And, I mean, there'd be games where he would carry the ball quite a bit. And and this kid is as a dynamic, maybe not as fast, which is why he didn't go until the second round, but he still is dynamic. And I think because of that, you know, and he's watching the landscape of the league, and he's saying, where's my coin? And he deserves it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. He's probably their most valuable player on offense there for the 49ers. He's surpassed George Kittle, in my opinion, in terms of his value. And here's what John Lynch had to say, the 49ers GM, earlier this offseason at the Combine on the importance and what Debo Samuel means to their team. You know, Herm Edwards used to tell me, you know, you can be special when you have that skill. And then you have that elite will. And I think when you watch Debo play, that's what I see. And it's, uh, it's inspiring. It's, uh, 
it, it, it lifts everyone. And I think there's a, yeah, we get the same thing in our meetings. You know, who's the player you try to play like? I mean, I, we even have defensive players uh, saying Debo. And, uh, and, and I think that speaks volumes for who he is. I mean, Michael, when you hear John Lynch say that to the media, I mean, it sounds like inspiring and he's the face of what they would like the model 49er player to be. Why don't they just break the bank and give him his money? Well, I, I think they're tied up in the cap right now. And, you know, the one thing I think that they've seen is this market has gone crazy and players are reacting to it. And it's a very volatile market. And, you know, Cooper Cup wants to get paid just like everybody else. The other guy in that 19 draft we didn't talk about is A.J. Brown. He wants to get paid. D.K. Metcalf, he wants to get paid. So there's so many guys that are looking to get paid from that draft that, you know, I don't know how the Niners don't. I, I, I would think, to me, what, the way I would describe Debo would be completely different than Lynch. I, I think this is a player who is more effective with the ball in his hand than mm -hmm. he is as a receiver. I, I, I think his receiving running routes – are not what you would say, oh, my gosh. But the way they utilize him on slants and inside patterns and then being able to tackle him are all problems. I mean, this is a kid who led the state in South Carolina kickoff returns in high school. He's a hard dude to tackle. Same thing with A.J. Brown. They're hard to tackle. They may not be as hard to cover, but they're hard to tackle. And I think that his competitive fiber, when he has the ball in his hands, separates them, and certainly he makes them a better team, and especially considering that they want to throw the ball in the middle of the field. You know, their passing game is from the numbers in. I mean, they're not an outside-the-numbers passing game. They want to run play action and throw the ball between the hash marks, and this is where he succeeds so well. I don't see how they're going to be able to replace him. I mean, but they're carrying Garoppolo. I, mm -hmm. I'm told this reliably. Like at the owners' meetings, you know, Kyle Shanahan is asking other teams, like, why aren't you interested in Garoppolo? He's better than what you have. You know, and they don't want to give Garoppolo away. And Garoppolo is certainly valuable, maybe not to Amal Shaw on our network, but he <laughs> is valuable. And yet, you know, they, they don't want to have to just give him away. And I think ultimately that being tied up is what's creating the issue. Of course, all these other contracts, too. Yeah, and you mentioned Garoppolo. One of the things that's tying it up is the shoulder surgery that he just had earlier in the offseason. We don't know when he'll be cleared to throw and participate in training camp. So that could be a thing that maybe gives teams a little bit of pause for Jimmy Garoppolo. But one of the things that's interesting to me about Debo Samuel is that we've talked about the money, but it sounds like it might not just be money that the usage and how the 49ers have used him could also be factoring into this because I saw these stats earlier from Next Gen Stats First 33 games of his career, he was in the backfield, lined up in the backfield 2.1% of the time, out wide 72.4% of the time. The last 11 games, Michael, in the backfield 21% of the time, out wide 53% of the time. They moved him around in the slot and tight formations as well. Is that sustainable? I mean, Debo Sam, it sounds like he doesn't want to be taking those running back kind of hits, and that's almost being used against him. Do you think that the Niners could tweak how they use Debo Samuel, or is this something that they just kind of have to use him in that wide back role that they've been using him over the last 11 games? Well, I mean, look, it's, I think it's something they fell into, right? So they start a, he starts off his career, he's got 14 carries his first year. The next year he only has eight. They only plays in five. He only starts five games. I mean, durability has been somewhat of an issue for, mm -hmm. for him. And then last year was the, the, the watershed moment where all of a sudden he just turned everything around, carries the ball 59 times, averages 6.2 yards a carry. So it changed, and he gets eight touchdowns rushing. I mean, he, gets, he has more touchdowns rushing. I think that would be a great quiz. Did he have more touchdowns rushing or more touchdowns pass catching? He had more touch rushes, eight to six. 
So, you know, he's been able to dominate from that running back. And I think probably when he's looking at his longevity, you know, he's saying, look, I'm a multidimensional guy, which is fascinating because Tyreek Hill, I thought was going to get used much like they used Debo. I thought that he was going to, when he left Oklahoma State, he was a dynamic running back. Dynamic. I mean, he was great as a running back. I never saw him as a slot receiver that Andy Reid did. Then they moved him out, and now he's an all-time receiver. But to me, this kid showed flashes of doing something that they kind of layered themselves into. I don't know if he could be upset about it because it certainly makes him more valuable. He's a weapon. I mean, he averaged 18 to a catch last year. Yeah. Them, I mean – and a lot of that is we know they're not throwing deep routes down there. They don't have a drop-back pass game. So they're throwing play action, and it's yards after the catch. And those 18-7 are yards after the catch that he's gaining. You know, he's gaining those yards. So to me, I, I don't know how they don't sign him. I really don't. I, I don't know how you could look at him and say, okay, you know, he shouldn't be one of the top players. I know we got Devontae Adams' contract. We got Hill. Hopkins's contract still resonates up there as a, on average per year. But this is a young kid entering his fourth year, and the same thing's going to happen. And the number one leader in the clubhouse on all this is going to be Kyler Murray. He is going to be the guy who changes perhaps the 19 draft because he's not coming to camp. He's, not, he's holding out, and I think he wants to move himself away from the, Carol from the Cardinals, and I don't think he's going to change his tune. Well, why do you think this isn't getting done with Kyler? Is it just that deadlines make deals and there's no real urgency to get this done in April? Because the Cardinals don't want to trade Kyler Murray from what we've heard. Kyler Murray doesn't want to play unless he gets that extension that he's seen other quarterbacks get, maybe that $40 million per year. Is this just time and we have to wait and then maybe towards training camp something gets done? Or is there something else at play here? I think there might be something else at play. I'm not sure what his dynamic – I don't think it's with Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know what his dynamics is internally within the organization. I, I think there's some, there is some issues there, and I think that's a concern. And so because of that, I think no matter what happens, I don't think he's going to want – I don't think they could put a number in front of him that he's going to want to sign. I think he wants to go somewhere else. I think he's trying to go somewhere else. And really? his agent's okay. trying to make that happen. Uh, you know, to me – I think if you're Steve Kime, you've got to say to yourself, can I get this done? He knows what's going on. I mean, he knows what's actually happened, and he's got to call a bluff, right? Do I do this, or do I trade for Baker Mayfield, bring him in, trade Kyler and get a package, and then revamp my team? That's a question he's got to be asking himself right now. And I think that's a question he better find the answer. Maybe he could find the answer on draft day. But I would suspect that would be the case. That's just it's it sounds kind of crazy to me that they would be looking to move on from Kyler Murray. Now, maybe the situation is irreparable yeah. and it cannot be fixed. But I mean, Steve Kime has a job because of Kyler Murray. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, no, he has you, a job. You, you because think he's, he's, you think he's, he, no, he's him and the owner are buddies. I mean, well, look, you, you can go over <laughs> Kime's career now. Look, I mean, if I mean, he's got a relationship with Michael Bidwell that's second to none. I mean, it's. It's grandfathered in. I mean, you know, some of the things that have happened off the field with Steve, and hopefully he's got his life in order. Yeah, that's but a good so, point. And then the draft, the draft picks. I mean, no, not many people survive that. You know, not many people survive that. And so, you know, I, I got fired in, in, in Philly after we had one of their best drafts ever. I mean, and he didn't get fired, you know, after having problems off the field. So, you know, like th there's, a, there's something going on. But I think what he's got to do, and Michael Bidwell's got to do as well, is figure out can we actually get this done? And then what's our resource to if we can't? That's a fair question to ask yourself now. You've just mm -hmm. seen the market flip, right? We've seen 
Russell Wilson go to to Denver for a multiple two to fix. We've seen Kyle. We've seen uh, Deshaun go for a ridiculous guaranteed contract and a multitude of picks. Right. So, like, if you're sitting here, you know you can get Baker. I mean, the Browns are going to pay some of Baker's salary, so you know that. You know the guy that coached, that recruited him, that had him at one time at Texas Tech is your guy. Now, I'm not saying Baker's your answer. All I'm saying is Baker could be the guy for a year while you try to find another guy in next year's draft and because you're going to get a boatload of picks. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess what I meant with Kyler Murray and Kime is that he had drafted Josh Rosen the year before, and it was looking rocky until Kyler he Murray comes that. in. Can you imagine yeah, that? He, yeah, Can he, you imagine? I mean, that, that's like you got you got to be the luckiest guy in America <laughs> to survive that. I mean, some of the I mean, he's some of the picks he, he gets survived, but he's got a great relationship with the owner. God bless him. I'm not faulting him. I never had that. You know, where he got lifetime security. He just got a contract extension, which is it's unbelievable. And I get that they made the playoffs for the first time, but I believe it was since 2015 for the Arizona Cardinals. But the fact that he was able to pick quarterbacks in the first round in back-to-back years i don't think any many gms be able to do that which speaks to the relationship he has with michael bidwell well, you, see, like you know you it's the old it's the old bill walsh thing you know the guy that sits next to the owner during the game yeah. is the guy i mean that's the guy when you sit next to to me if you're ever an nfl executive and you're sitting next to the owner the coach is never going to trust you he's never going to trust you ever you know, he's never going to trust you because Walsh, you know, believed that the guy that sits next to the owner is going to convince him that everything that's wrong with the team lies with coaching and that it's always the coach's fault. We're a better team than what we really are. Trust me, I've seen it happen. I've seen it. <laughs> and, and if you sit up there with the owner in this market, in this climate, you're just pissing off your coach. Now, I'm not saying he's pissing off, he's pissing off uh, Cliff because, you know, they brought Cl- Cliff in. I mean, remember, they hired Cliff. as He was the offense mm-hmm. coordinator at USC when they hired him. Yep. I yeah. mean, what owner lets you do that? I mean, what <laughs> owner will allow you to do that? He was at USC for about 30 days before taking that Cardinals job. Politics factor into the NFL like any other office. And we'll see some wide receivers trying to politic their way to some big extensions. We'll talk about that on the other side. Let's take a quick break. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do, go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. Well, Michael, these wide receivers, I tell you what, man, they want to get paid and they want to get paid right now after seeing the landscape of 
the free agent market with Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, all receiving big, massive contracts. And let's start with the guy that we started this podcast talking about, Debo Samuel. I'm looking at the numbers here. He's the only player, Michael, in NFL history with 1,400-plus receiving yards and 300-plus rushing yards in the same season. You mentioned he lead, led the league in yards per reception. He also led the league in yards after catch per reception with 10.1 here. What would a contract for Debo Samuel look like, whether it be with the Niners or maybe a team that trades for him? You know, that's a great question. And, and I think ultimately, you know, you, the only player that kind of is similar to him, you know, is, is Tyreek Hill. I mean, when you go back and look at some of the players, you know, I, I compared him earlier to Lenny Moore. Well, Lenny Moore played, you know, in, in his rookie season in 1956, he starts 12 games. He, he runs, he, he carries the ball 88 times has eight touchdowns, he averages 7.5 a carry. And in the receiving, he only has 11 receptions. Okay, the next year, he comes back, he carries it 98 times, he averages five yards a carry, and he catches 40 passes and averages 17.2 yards. I mean, is that similar to what we're talking about with Debo, right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of similar. I mean, 98 rushes was the most he ran the football was in 64 where he carried it 157 times. He scored 16 touchdowns that year, by the way. You know, which, you know, could you imagine what the contract would be for him? I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? I mean, poor Lenny Moore said, I was born the wrong time, you know, but I, th I think, I think, you know, looking at the, t one of these things too is these contracts are so misrepresented in the, le in the, in the, in the public relations. For example, you know, Tyreek Hill has a normal contract for four years. In his fifth year, when he goes, when he's 32 years old, that contract goes up to four, it goes from 21 million point eight to 43.9. The bulk of the money is in the fifth year, which tells you the fifth year is a phony year. It's a phony year. Now, maybe they'll pay it, maybe they won't, but it's a phony year. And that number really enhances the total value of the deal. So when you look at the deal and you see he's got $102 million in base salaries, cut out cut out 43 million of that and what what are you left with, right? So that lowers the average per year. And I think that's ultimately the sticking block is some of these deals are not what we perceive them to be, you know. Mm -hmm. And so where would you go with Debo? Would you go with him in that $21 million range? I, I think so. You know, one thing about, about Tyreek is he's 28 years old. You're talking about signing a player to a long-term contract that, that is really just 26 years old. So you're getting him right in his prime. And – I think to me that that's why it's such a hard contract to do. But let's be real clear here. The Niners don't have enough. They could create the room. There's always room to create. Mm -hmm. Like you could always create cap room. But unfortunately, until they get rid of, of Garoppolo, they really can't. I mean, they're going to struggle. And that's only because they've got $24 million tied up in him in paragraph five. You know, under normal cir circumstances, they would go in there like they did with Trent Williams. They would go in there and lower his paragraph five, guarantee it, and do that. You know, they could do it with McGinchy. He's making $10 million. But I think for the most part, you know, there, there are only two players where they could really get substantial cap room are Garoppolo, who's at $24 million, and and McGinchy, who's at $10 million, right? Yep. So he's at $10 million, but it's all guaranteed. So he doesn't want to do an extension with them because he's on that last year and he doesn't want to give them any more years unless they do a full-time deal. I mean, they can't go to Kittle makes a million dollars this year, right? Fred Warner makes 2.5. You can't lower any but those guys' cap numbers. 
So where you lower your cap number is where a player who has a high paragraph five, and the only one left to do it is is uh, is Garoppolo, and they got to have to figure that out. The problem with Garoppolo too is though, Femi's as much as I love Jimmy, he's always hurt. Yeah, I mean he has a hard time staying healthy. And and another guy that they're looking to re-sign is Nick Bosa as well. I mean he's eligible for a contract extension, one of the best pass rushers in the league. So that's another thing that they're going to have to figure out there from that 2019 class that. It was they hit some home runs there, getting Bosa second overall, and then also getting Debo Samuel. But now it's time to pay the Piper, and the Niners are in this. Well, they're going to have to pay situation. Yeah. You know the way they've operated. They traded Buckner so they could pay yep. some of the other defensive linemen. So they're going to pay. You know that. Yeah. But part of it is you got to do this, and one of the reasons I think they drafted Lance and got a really cheap quarterback is so they can do some of these moves. They've signed Warner, right? They did that, so I think that that's really where they're going to go. Right now, they have. Debo under contract. They have him under contract for $3 million, So they don't really have to worry about that. They've got Bosa under contract. And he's only making – Bosa's only making eight ninety five in paragraph 5. So they have him under contract. The problem is until they get rid of Garoppolo, they can't go to either one of those guys and get him really tied up. It all leads back to Jimmy G. One way or another, it leads back amazing, to isn't Jimmy it? G. It, it, <laughs> isn't it just amazing how he kind of has – he stopped, whereas is the Browns – they don't need to. They need to move Baker to clean up their locker room. They need to move mm-hmm. Baker to give Watson a chance. But they have enough cap room to do it. But they're gonna. They're they're gonna need to make a decision. And I think ultimately that's gonna have to come on draft day. Do I think? Do I think the Panthers trade for him? I don't know. Do I think Seattle does? I don't know. The one thing about the one thing about Baker is, I think ultimately people now have seen that Baker perhaps wasn't the first overall pick in the draft. And of all the quarterbacks that were picked, you know, he's probably the one who's who's least likely to be successful moving forward other than Rosen. Yeah. No, Baker's going to be having to and compete. Da- and we got Darnold, too, Darnold, in that yeah, class. Yeah. We, yeah, we got Darnold, <laughs> Well, what do you mean by Darnold's QB1, according to our buddy Ben McAdoo over there in Carolina? <laughs> well, what did they expect McAdoo to say, <laughs> that, that, though? That, that like, is he's fair. the only quarterback yeah, on fair. the roster. Like, you know, who's the starter? I mean <laughs> – I mean, P.J. Walker? I mean, like, seriously, <laughs> you know? Like, what do they expect poor Ben to say? Oh, no, we don't have a starter. We're just going to play with 10. We're going to yep. be like Hoosers and go out there and just play with 10. You know, we're going to we're gonna do it. I'm going to become Norman Dale and just play with 10 because I'm not putting a guy called quarterback. I mean, what do they expect? Yeah, he was in a tough spot in that situation there. But he, I guess, put his foot in his, put, put his, foot in his mouth as he said there and was able to clarify that. Debo Samuel, he wants his money. Other wide receivers from that class that we talked about earlier want their money. A.J. Brown with the Titans, they appear to be working on a deal, but he wants his money ASAP, as does Terry McLaurin for the Washington Commanders. D.K. Metcalf, he's also eligible for an extension as well. Cooper Cup, he could get some money there after being Super Bowl MVP. Which of these guys do you think that you would be more inclined to pay? If you were to rank them there from Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, Cooper Cup, which one would you be more comfortable paying going down the list there? Well, Cup's just going to get a raise, so he doesn't really count. I mean, mm-hmm. he's in that other category, so you know he's yeah. going to get paid. I, I think, obviously, Debo is such an integral part of what they do offensively. I think I'd have to pay him. A.J. Brown is, too. I mean, for all these guys that they brought in in, in, in Tennessee to be the guy, you know, Corey Davis, the fifth pick overall in the draft. I mean, if there isn't ever a reason that Bill Walsh always would say, receiver is the last position you fix on your team when your team's really good. It's the, you know, Tennessee picks Corey Davis at what, five? And they get A.J. Brown at, at what number they get him at? Yeah, he, he second round, yeah. I mean, who's better? You know, <laughs> like, who's a better player? 
they both both have limitations in terms of vertical speed, but who's the better player, right? I mean, it's hard as shit to tackle. It's hard as shit to tackle A.J. Brown. So that that was his point. Like, there's other guys. I mean, Debo's a second rounder. There's other guys out there that you could find that, that are just different. And I think ultimately when one separates himself, then you've got to say, okay, he's part of our offense. We'll pay him because we have to. But I think if you have a young quarterback, you can afford to pay these guys. That's what makes the Tyreek Hill thing so interesting is they, they, they paid Mahomes and they gave up Hill. Eventually they gave up Hill because of where they are with their cap because they fixed their line. I mean, think about it. If then their offensive line in Kansas City, they got left tackle, they're paying a ton, mm-hmm. the most money. Their left guard, they're paying the most money. The center's a draft choice. But and they put some real resources into their line, which they should do because they got to protect their number one resource, which is Mahomes. Yeah, you, you mentioned all these receivers not being first-round picks. Terry McLaurin out there in Washington, he was a third-round pick, 76th overall. D.K. Metcalf, who you didn't mention, which I'm interested in because I'm going to ask you this here. Is D.K. Metcalf the guy that you would trade if you were a general manager? Because I know you said that you'd pay Cooper Cup. He's going to get paid. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown. But what about A.J. Brown's former college teammate, D.K. Metcalf? You know, I, I was wrong on Metcalf coming out. I thought Metcalf was going to be just a vertical outside guy. I think he's really improved his, his, his route tree. I thought his route tree was limited. You know, I thought he was not going to be able to run all the things because he's so stiff and tight, mm-hmm. but he's been improved in those areas. So would I pay him? Yeah, I probably would, depending on what the deal was and depending on what my options were. Same thing with A.J. Brown. I think it's always about give and take. I don't think it's like to me, I'm paying Debo. The other guys, I'm looking over the landscape and saying, okay, wh- what do I need? The, p- the problem with Tennessee is they need really good run-after-the-catch players to help Tannehill. They do need, they need that. Same thing in – I mean, look, Seattle doesn't have any – if they go young quarterback, then they should pay Metcalf because they're going to need to surround him with really good players. I think a lot of it lays layers into your team. What do you do with your football team? And it's interesting because this NFL draft is, once again, loaded with wide receivers. We've seen the last two drafts, six, seven wide receivers going in the first round there. It's a position that the college game is really sending a lot of talented player in droves. How would that factor into your decision, whether paying some of these veteran guys of, okay, maybe I can just go and draft a guy in the first, second round and just kind of keep recycling that receiver position? Well, I think you got to be right on the position. I think it's the hardest position in the draft to evaluate because none of them get to play against press covers. They all just run off the line. They get into the route, and everybody goes all Dick Vitale all over it. Oh, my God, he's the greatest receiver of all time. He catches it out, right? You know, and so I, I think you got to be really careful, and you got to be good at evaluating them. I mean, I think that's where Pittsburgh has gained an advantage. They, they've been oh, able yeah. to draft the guys. Heinz Ward in the third round, you know, Juju in the second, you know, they've been able to find these guys and develop them, and they haven't had to put a, a huge resource in them. Because let's think about it. I mean, Cooper Cup's a third rounder. Sammy Watkins, people are trading up for him. Who got the better player? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of the things I think you have to do in every single draft is you've got to sit there and say, if this pl- it, player Y compared to player Z, are they similar? And how much of a difference is there? You know, how much is now to the media? There's no way. But in every draft, Femi, in every single draft, there's a line of demarcation, right? So in this draft, I think there's probably six. And then after that, most of the players picked after six are probably going to be somewhere closer in grade than what we're made out to believe. And you as a general manager, you've got to be able to say, okay, here, here's if I this guy and that guy are similar. Let me go get that. And a lot of it comes back to your drafting philosophy. 
Yeah. It all comes back to the draft, and it all comes back to the quarterbacks in the draft. We're going to find the line of demarcation with these signal callers on the other side. Stay with us here. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures market, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New Customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Michael, it's the position that moves the needle the most. The quarterbacks coming up here in this NFL draft seven days away, and I'm just fascinated by how many we could see go in the first round, how many could pan oh, out to being productive starters. Are you falling I'm not in that fall- trap? I'm not falling in are the you trap. Falling for that? But I want to ask you, like, what are you hearing from people around the league? I know you got some buddies around the league about where do these quarterbacks stack up because I'm seeing some people with – one, maybe even two going in the top 10, which finds it's hard to believe when you watch college football this past year, but we know the quarterback thirst is real. See, there, there you go. You just answered <laughs> your own question. When you watch college football this year, you have a hard time. Like, I'll give you a per example <laughs> is, I, I, you know, when I first watched Sam Howe at North Carolina, I thought, wow, this guy's going to be really good. He's gonna, he could be a top five pick. As a freshman, I thought, oh, wow, this guy's really good. Did some, you know, looked at his background, all that stuff. And then as I watched him play at North Carolina, I didn't have that same feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the same thing happened with me with, with Zach Wilson. I, I first saw Zach Wilson. Patrick and I were talking to him about on the, on, on the show. And I'm like, man, that guy's really good. And then next thing I know, you know, he got hurt. And then, then he came really on. But for me, you know, this draft class, I think, and, and, I, and I go back to the grading system that we, we started in Cleveland, they still use in New England, they still use in Houston, teams to use it, is you have to judge the player and grade them. And, and I can't get any of these quarterbacks above what, what I would consider a 62 player, which is a, a potential starter down the line, but never a top 10 player. Good grade, but how do you take that? This is a second-round draft of quarterbacks that people are, are the, the, the PR machine are driving them into the first round. And, you know, look, I've heard Seattle loves Malik Willis. Okay. You know, like he didn't throw a touchdown pass against a level of comp. I mean, how do you love him? His arm, his release is funny. You know, he wants to run more than he wants to throw. Mentally, can he handle all the things you want him to do at the line of scrimmage? I think that's going to be something you need to really investigate. Can he can he lead the team? Is he mature enough to lead the team? Become the guy. See, what I don't think fans or draft Knicks understand, when you draft this guy, you bring him in your locker room, he represents who you are. Mm-hmm. So, like, say you're the Carolina Panthers and everybody has them pick it, picking Kenny Pickett, right? You go out to practice, 
And Darnold throws the ball better than Pickett. The team's going to look around and say, like, why did we do that? Like, seriously, we drafted this guy and we have the – like, it's different. You can't – you got to – the guy you bring in has got to be able to sell the guys in the locker room, not the fans. He's got to sell those other people that he's the guy. You know, mm-hmm. Mayfield, for all the hoopla, he, he was able to do that until the game – he could – he had some moxie to him. Mm-hmm. Do these guys have moxie? You know, that's what I, I worry about. I don't see it. And so, to me – I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend on on all the Veasan shows to take the under, you know, like I think the under three and a half is the perfect number. I really do, but I, I mean, you know, I I've heard somebody say there could be five. Like, there's not five guys <laughs> in this draft that play quarterback that'll end up being starters. Like nobody nobody ever, Femi, wants to go back. Like like if 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 you take your car, and I'm gonna write about this for Daily Coach, if you take your car to a mechanic, right? One of the things the mechanic has to be able to do before he becomes a, a, a true mechanic, like a, 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 a high-level man, is he's got to be able to build a car from scratch. Like, he's got to be able to put together an engine. Why? Because when he puts together an engine, he obviously knows when he, why it breaks down, and then he can fix it. None of these teams have studied the, the litany of quarterbacks over the years and figured out why they've broken down. Like when I talk about Willis, he has all the symptoms of quarterbacks that haven't been successful, but nobody pays attention to it. When I talk about Pickett, he has all the symptoms of quarterbacks that haven't been successful, but nobody talks about it, right? Like no, nobody goes to it. They just assume it's going to be okay. It's like what they did in Austin Powers. You know, they just assume it's all going to go to plan. Like seriously, like how do you do that? It's not going to go all to plan. Like, it, it isn't. There's something, there's, there's something there. You can't invent it. Like, this is a draft that you can't invent the quarterback position on. And, and I think ultimately that's going to be the biggest challenge. You said you would recommend the under on three and a half quarterbacks being selected in the first round. Right now that number's actually moved down over at DraftKings, our show sponsor. It's now two and a half, Michael. Smart. What would you do that, there? The money, would you the, go, the, to you go me, over? I would, I would probably... You know, I, you know, there I think it's 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 one of those ones where I, I think you got to be. I think they could lean towards the over. Like a lot of people see this, like Desmond Ryder. I don't. Desmond Ryder's too inconsistent for me to go in the first. But the thing that hesitates me a little bit here, Femi, is if you're a team picking in the twenty to twenty-two to to thirty-two range, and you want to get and you want to get this guy to get the fifth year of the contract, you need to get it on the quarterback, right? And so I, I think that that would be the case. So I, I, I would lean probably over three, but I don't think I would lean. I don't think I would lean more than that. I think that would be right. I, I, I think mm-hmm. to me, four is to me. I don't see four. If you're picking four, yeah, I think if you're picking four quarterbacks, I, I don't see it. Like I don't see it. I mean, Carolina needs a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Atlanta may take a quarterback. Seattle could take a quarterback, but who are they? Like, f- put the name in. Put the name in. Like, tell me who they are. Like, who's going to go? Willis, right? We think Willis is going to go somewhere mm-hmm. in the first round. Who else? We think- I mean, I, I, maybe maybe your guy Ritter. Ritter, could, it sounds like he's got a lot of first-round buzz. Um, I mean, and- Matt, Matt Corral has Corral, some buzz, yeah. but Matt Corral's an undersized guy who's got a lot of talent. A lot, a lot he's of injuries, not a real big too. guy. Uh, and a lot of injuries, and and he's going to Matt, Matt Corral. Describe Matt Corral. He has all the problems when you're when you're that mechanic trying to reconstruct the, the engine. He has all the problems that you had before. 
You follow me? So, I mean, like, mm-hmm. seriously, you're walking into a, you turn that card in, and you're basically, once you turn that card in, you're going to be looking for a quarterback in two years. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely fair points that you bring up here. But I guess my only pushback would be, we've seen all these teams do extensive homework on these quarterbacks. I mean, Carolina brought in six quarterbacks on their pre-draft visits. Seattle's brought in quarterbacks. Pittsburgh has brought in quarterbacks. Is this just standard protocol, or is there also yeah. smoke oh. there signaling that they might be looking at QBs in the first round? No, I, I think it's it's not. I think it's due diligence, right? So you bring in a picket. You sit them in front of a board, and you go over stuff with them. What you do is you go over the offense. You try to get him to see how much his learning curve is. You get it, you you have a relate. You build a kind of what kind of kid is this? You know, you're learning about the kid. You know, you're trying to get one on one time to really give you an idea about the kid's personality and what he's made of and can he learn what you want him to do and, and can he lead the team? What kind of command does he have? You know, when we brought Garoppolo in, we brought him in with Johnny Manziel at the same day. And one of the reasons why we picked Garoppolo is because his command, his his demeanor, the way he behaved in that interview, we felt like he wouldn't be intimidated by the great Tom Brady, that he would be able mm-hmm. to do those things. That's what you're learning. It's not because you've you see, people think you bring guys in because you've made up your mind. No, you're bringing guys in because you're looking for more information. Yeah, I think that's a great point to put out because everyone looks at it and says, oh, Carolina brought in Kenny Pickett. Here we go. Must be Pickett at six. But I think that's an awesome point that you brought up there that they're gaining more information on Pickett. It's not that they're sold on him. They're trying to see what he's all about. Right, and, and they probably brought in other quarterbacks too that nobody yep. knows about. Yep. You know, they probably brought in other. They probably, you know, and now they're going to fix sit and figure out, okay, what are we going to do with these guys? Like, let's break them down. Let's tear this thing down. Let's understand where we're going. Is there a team, because you mentioned when you were in New England how you guys brought in Jimmy Garoppolo, ended up drafting him second in the second round there. Which team do you think could be a team that's not really in need of a quarterback but still might take a quarterback there in this maybe back half of the first round or early second round. Is there a team out there that you're hearing about that's got the hots for a QB that already has a solidified starter? No, I haven't heard that. I mean, I think to me that's too valuable of a pick. Like everybody, I mean, everybody I've heard Seattle on a quarterback. I've heard Atlanta on a quarterback, right? I mean, if Atlanta takes a quarterback, I mean, first of all, they need a quarterback because Mariota's going to get killed with that offensive line, Mm -hmm. you know? And so – all I keep hearing is is there's six players in this draft, and and really it starts with the defensive lineman Walker and Hutchinson. There's debate. What's Jacksonville going to do? I don't think Jacksonville is not going to take an offensive lineman. I mean, if they say they take Evan Neal, they can play Evan Neal at guard for a year while they got or the Robinson, or if they take the kid Icky Aquanu, Aquanu from from North Carolina State, he he might end up being a guard anyway. So they could put him at left guard or put him at right guard while they have Robinson over at left tackle and go from there. So I don't think that's been ruled out. You know, Detroit's going to be a pass rusher. I mean, why the coach would come out and say he doesn't want Thibodeau, I have no idea. But, you know, they're (laughs) going to take a rusher. And then I think ultimately, so between Charles Cross, Thibodeau, uh, uh, Hutchinson, Walker, Icky, and probably, you know, and Neil, those six players to me, are probably going to be in that top six somewhere. And then after that, when the Giants pick at seven, and I think the corners start to come into play. Oh, that's interesting. But I think, oh, I, think ultimately it's, I think ultimately it's an offensive and a defensive line draft, the first six picks. But that's interesting that you didn't mention 
Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the cornerback from Cincinnati, in that six? Because I know that's a guy that we're hearing some teams really, really love him, or maybe Derek Singley. So you think that there's those six guys, the tackles, the edge rushers, that are seen around the league as better than the cornerbacks, whether it be Gardner out of Cincinnati or Stingley out of LSU? Yeah, I, I, well, I think Stingley didn't play enough. I think Gardner, everybody loves Gardner. You know, I think everybody loves Gardner. I think, you know, I think probably in this draft, the, the line of demarcation probably goes with eight players, maybe. You know, I think Jamison Williams would would be one of those eight if you had him, but unfortunately he's coming out of an injury. So let's mm-hmm. say seven. I would put Gardner in one of the top. But I think when you look at it, I think if you're the Giants and you have a chance to pick a legitimate left tackle, whether it's Neil or Cross, you got to try to do that. I think that's the issue that you have really with 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 Carol with Carolina. Carolina's right there at six. They need a left tackle. What happens if all the left tackles are gone? I mean, yeah. what happens if all they're gone? What do they do then? I mean, people have them just just penciled right in for a quarterback. I think if all I think at that point, would they take a defensive lineman? If Walker were to slip to six, would they take him? Who knows? But I think ultimately they have a position in the draft where if something slips to them, offense or defense alignment, they'll get their phone will ring like crazy. I was about to say, like Carolina is kind of one of those teams that wants to trade back since they don't have a pick on Friday. Well, I think they do. And then I think here's the question you have to ask yourself. If you're Carolina, do you think Penning from Northern Iowa could be your left tackle? You know, would you take a chance on another offense? Is there the kid from Rutgers who's a really good – Zeon Johnson's a really good player. You move back, do you take him? See what I'm saying? You go all mm-hmm. the way back. Do you, you, you know what I mean? you got to improve your line. So, mm-hmm. Or is there a defensive lineman? And I think once you move back – so I, I, I have to see Steven's hand going up here. But I think there's three, <laughs> there's three levels of drafters, okay? And I think fans don't always understand this. There's three levels of drafter. I wrote about this in the new book. And so there's the, the, first, the first level of a drafter, a guy who really runs the draft. M- most people watch the video. You watch the video of the, the draft room, and mm-hmm. it's all for theatrics. I mean, they're pretending like who's in charge, but ultimately there's one guy in charge, right? And, and so the drafter, you've got to profile the drafter. Most Some teams have a guy who run the draft, like Cincinnati, they're a static drafting team. They'll pick whichever comes to them. They rarely move. The New York Giants back in the day were a static picking team. They're just going to pick their picks, right? Then there's the lover, the team that falls in love with a player and they trade up no matter what they do. They love, love they just want to come out of the draft with the players they love. They got four or five guys, they're happy with what they get though. And then there's the guy that basically wants to go and and get into the pack. You know, he's a he's a cluster drafter. Trade back down. I'm in this cluster. I'm going to get one of these good players. I don't care what it is. The perfect example of all this is the Ed Reed draft. You remember the Ed Reed draft? Mm-hmm. I mean, Ozzie Newsom sitting there 24, right? They're sitting there at their 24th pick in the draft. We're at 23 with Napoleon Harris. I'm killing Napoleon Harris. You know, and he's got bad tape. Two days before the draft, two days before the draft, uh, they make a tape on Napoleon Harris. They show it to Al Davis. I finally see it. It's Junior Seau. He's Junior Seau. And, and a bunch of us who didn't really like him, we were like, oh, my God. But the scouts loved him. So, anyway, back to Ed Reed. They pick. So, Ozzy has three players he wants to pick. He wants to pick Levi Jones, William Green, the running back from Boston College, mm-hmm. and he wants to pick Napoleon. He sits right at his pick. Levi goes 10. He doesn't move. William uh, Green goes, I think, 13. He doesn't move. And us, naturally, right in front of him, <clears> we <throat> pick Napoleon Harris. And so, what does he do? He settles for Ed Reed. The next day, the Baltimore Sun headlines is steady, not sizzling, 
Ed Reed comes to Baltimore. Two years later, he's the most valuable player in the league. That's my point. That, that is the draft in a nutshell there. Stick and pick sometimes is the best way to go. We're going to take another quick break. We'll wrap things up on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, we couldn't get done with this podcast until we talked a little Philadelphia oh 76ers. Our pop culture minute is now Sixers in 60 seconds. Well, How about I mean, that game last night, Michael? Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I was wrong on this. I, I got to be honest. I, I have been, you know, I have always been critical of Embiid in terms of his conditioning, which I think he's improved on. Mm-hmm. But I, since the, the playoffs, he's raised his level of play tremendously tremendously it's been sensational and so uh i i mean hats off i mean he's saving doc i mean let's be did you see the did <laughs> yeah. you see the end of the game at the timeout the play they ran to get the shot off at the end of the game i mean both of the one and the regulation at the end of ot they were both horrific i mean how bad were those plays <laughs> like what are we drawing over there i mean i can get dominic to draw something better on his sketch pad <laughs> like seriously like I get Dominic, I'll put the I'll put the court in there. I'll get Leo. I'll get Dean. I'll get him. We get. Where was that? What did you see? Like what was that? I was watching the game and I was like, this is stuff that you see in college basketball March Madness where the kids are amateurs and not professionals because it looked that bad. It was bad, man. It was horrible. I mean, the game's on the line. Got a chance to win the game, and 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 you can't even make you don't you don't. There's nothing in the repertoire that's better than that. I mean, that's what we come up with. I mean, you know, I mean, oh, my God. But, hey, look, they won, and they, 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 he's yeah. raised his level tremendously. I mean, the other series, I mean, I, I know you're watching Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. You're watching Brooklyn. Boston. I mean, Boston's just tougher and grittier than anybody. I mean, you know, right now, I, I don't know what the number is on Boston to represent the East, but, man, they're hard to play right now. They get behind. Their defense gets them back into games. They're really mm-hmm. good. But, you know, right now, I mean, for, for, for it's been hard to find anything good to watch on on any of these programs. What did I watch recently? Yeah, that was, it is. Uh, well, and also this time of year is just difficult. I mean, the playoffs are every single night. I mean, I'm, I'm a little slow. In terms of the draft preparation and the NBA playoffs, I'm a little slow on my Sopranos watching right now, but we're going to get caught up because when all these things go away and it's the dead of the summer in July, I'm going to be able to rip through about two seasons in a week. I oh, think. we're going to go over. We'll go over one. We're going to go. We're going to do the Soprano pod on here. We'll go through yeah. every single one because it's it's basically comes back to life. It's it's certainly the you know, it, it, it's it's the other one. Have you ever watched The Wire? Have you watched The Wire? I've watched one season of The Wire. That's another one that I have oh, on my list of. You, you let me get that going. I, <laughs> yes. I was writing about The Wire the other day because I was writing about how the when the NFL and the AFL merged together, they only mm. did they did so after the the Giants violated what was in the wire in the wire according to the wire they had this Sunday truce right that on mm-hmm. Sunday you there was no crime activity that both sides East and West Baltimore had to separate themselves right so but back in in the day in, in the AFL merger the the Giants of all teams signed Gogolak the kicker and they had an unwritten rule in the AFL NFL where if you you could it was open warfare for the rookies for the draft picks mm-hmm. but for veterans if you played for a team in the AFL or you played for a team in the NFL unless the team didn't want them anymore you couldn't you, they didn't sign those players like they didn't sign those guys the rookies open market the giants go ahead and sign Gogolak, the first soccer kicker right to a contract when the bills didn't really renege his right re, re, basically said they didn't want him 
that opened up warfare. Al Davis went to the mattresses. He was he got elected commissioner, you know, because they threw out the commissioner. He comes in and he's going <clears> to the mattresses, signing Roman Gabriel, John. They're signing everybody. And then they got the truce. And I wrote about it because somebody violated the Sunday truce. Yeah. And that's what when somebody violates it, then it's like you mentioned, it's all hell breaks loose. And that's what happened yeah. with the AFL NFL merger. But I mean, we're better off for the merger. Now it's it's created the best league in our oh, in our country, best. and it's why we love it because the NFL it never stops, the, it never sleeps. With the draft coming up in just a week, the stories are fascinating through it. They yeah. really are, and 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 Al would share some of them with me, uh, especially when he talked about the great Lance Allworth because he signed literally signed Lance Allworth on the field. He signed Fred Blitzhoff on the field too after a game, That's but Allworth was his specialty. Literally, there's a picture of Al Davis signing Lance <laughs> Allworth on the field on the field at Tulane Stadium after the Sugar Bowl when they lost to uh, Ole Miss. Can you imagine that happening today? Like, that no. is that is. I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, he was a charmer. I mean, he he could charm the, you know, as Bill Parcells would say about Jerry Jones, he could talk a cat off the top of a fish truck. Well, he could <laughs> talk a cat off the top of a fish truck, too, now. He was good. S- selling ice to Eskimos. No <laughs> doubt. That's, that's what we're doing. Um, before we wrap things up, quick show programming note, because next week is the NFL draft. We're not giving you one podcast. We're giving you two podcasts next week. Monday, we'll be kick off our week of the draft coverage. And then also on draft day, that Thursday morning, another podcast will be hitting your phone or whichever device you choose to listen to us from. But two podcasts, Michael, next week. And you'll be in Vegas, though, for one of them. I cannot wait to finally I'm have excited. you down here yeah. in the desert. I'm you look, excited. You, you looking circa, forward to anything? Yeah. You looking forward to any outside of the draft I'm actually, stuff? well, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing my man, Mick, uh, my son who's yeah, out there, there which go. makes the trip even better. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing the draft. And, you know, the one thing about we'll get through this perception, we'll get through the, re- the perception and reality. Right now we're still in the perception phase. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taking quarterbacks and everybody's <laughs> just, you know, doing what they're doing. But none of it's true. Yeah. potentially five quarterbacks in the first round. Yeah, oh, uh, let's take six. Why not six? <laughs> Even though what you said to start this show, there's really – the college season didn't produce six very good no. quarterbacks. But now all of a sudden, with no games being played – and then here's the great part is when these quarterbacks fail, everybody will blame the teams for, you know, not paying attention to the game tape. <laughs> isn't that fascinating, huh? Isn't, isn't that it's fascinating how cycle. it works out? It is the vicious cycle because we get to sit back and judge while they actually have their jobs on the line. But that's why we got the good jobs here, Michael. And that does it for us here on the GM Shuffle podcast. Thank you to Michael, as always. Thank you to our producer, Stephen Bond, on the ones and twos. Thank you to you guys, our loyal listeners. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you find your podcast. Michael, talk to you Monday. Thanks, fam.